the Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands. Totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. And here we are thanking you for being along with us tonight for this edition of the Bible Live broadcast as we continue our way through First and Second Chronicles in the Old Testament of your Bible. We'll be picking up tonight in chapter 23. It has been an exciting section of the book of Chronicles. It's a remarkable moment, actually, in the time of the kings. And let me just repeat once more for those of you who might be joining us for the first time this evening. The book of the Chronicles is a selected history, a compilation put together by a Jewish scribe named Ezra, written for the benefit of those Jewish people who returned at the end of the time of exile in Babylon, somewhere around 515 B.C. If I remember correctly, 40 to 42,000 in that range, men and women, boys and girls, children, uh, Jewish people, mainly from the tribe of Judah, Benjamin, the southern tribes, return to Israel. A big part of their motivation is spiritual. Not only are they going back to recuperate their lands and their properties, but they are there as well because they want to recapture and renew and restore that covenant relationship that the nation of Israel has with the true and living God. And these, for a large part, are men and women who are believers. Religious expression and freedom and fulfillment is part of the reason they're going home. We see from so many of their expressions that faith is a big part of their daring, that thousand-mile, very dangerous journey from Babylon over to Israel. They've come home, and now Ezra has written this history. He focuses on the history of the kings of the south, the kings of Judah, that is, the lineage of King David, and he follows their experiences to help them recuperate and remember who they are as God's people, remember the special relationship and covenant to trust and obey the true and living God and to be a witness for him in the nations of the world at that time. Now, it isn't pretty. He doesn't eliminate all of the bad, 
But he kind of majors on the inspirational, the positive, to boost them up and cheerlead them and encourage them to return once more to serving the true and living God. We'll pick up with uh, this woman, Athaliah, who was the only queen that Israel had, and how she got to be queen and how she is deposed, taken off of the throne of Judah. So we'll get to that tonight. But right now, we go to our wisdom and worship segment as we read through the Psalms and the Proverbs, the city of God where all believers will one day gather. Psalm 87. On the holy mountain stands the city founded by the Lord. He loves the city of Jerusalem more than any other city in Israel. O city of God, what glorious things are said of you. I will record Egypt and Babylon among those who know me, also Philistia and Tyre and even distant Ethiopia. They have all become citizens of Jerusalem, and it will be said of Jerusalem, everyone has become a citizen here, and the Most High will personally bless this city. When the Lord registers the nations, he will say this one has become a citizen of Jerusalem. At all of the festivals, the people will sing, The source of my life is in Jerusalem. End of reading Psalm 87. No doubt it'll be all right with God in All right, beautiful poem and beautiful psalm tonight. Jerusalem and its temple here represent the future community of all believers. This psalm looks forward to that holy city of God described in Revelation 21, the final place for all of God's people to dwell forever with Him. Ready to move into the book of Second Chronicles, picking up at chapter 23 now. You know the story, Athaliah, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, this very wicked couple, a very wimpy sort of a man and a controlling, manipulative, and power-hungry wife. They were destroyed. They were removed. And now the daughter, Athaliah, has come onto the throne of Judah. And we're going to see now how she almost killed off the entire Davidic lineage. Young Joash now is going to be placed on the throne at the age of seven as we begin tonight's reading. Second Chronicles 23.1 through 26.23. Second Chronicles 23. In the seventh year of Athaliah's reign, Jehoiada the priest decided to act. He got up his courage and made a pact with five army commanders, Azariah son of Jehoram, Ishmael son of Jehohanan, Azariah son of Obed, Maaseiah son of Adaiah, and Elishaphet son of Zikri. These men traveled secretly throughout Judah and summoned the Levites and clan leaders in Judah's towns to come to Jerusalem. They all gathered at the temple of God where they made a covenant with Joash, the young king. Jehoiada said to them, The time has come for the king's son to reign. The Lord has promised that a descendant of David will be our king. This is what you must do. When the priests and Levites come on duty on the Sabbath, a third of them will serve as gatekeepers. Another third will go over to the royal palace, and the final third will be at the foundation gate. Everyone else should stay in the courtyards of the Lord's temple. Remember, only the priests and Levites on duty may enter the temple of the Lord, for they are set apart as holy. The rest of the people must obey the Lord's instructions and stay outside. You Levites form a bodyguard for the king and keep your weapons in hand. Any unauthorized person who enters the temple must be killed. Stay right beside the king at all times. So the Levites and the people did everything just as Jehoiada the priest ordered. The commanders took charge of the men reporting for duty that Sabbath, as well as those who were going off duty. Jehoiada the priest did not let anyone go home after their shift ended. 
Then Jehoiada supplied the commanders with the spears and shields that had once belonged to King David and were stored in the temple of God. He stationed the guards around the king with their weapons ready. They formed a line from the south side of the temple around to the north side and all around the altar. Then Jehoiada and his sons brought out Joash, the king's son, and placed the crown on his head. They presented Joash with a copy of God's laws and proclaimed him king. Then they anointed him, and everyone shouted, Long live the king! When Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and the shouts of praise to the king, she hurried to the Lord's temple to see what was happening. And she saw the newly crowned king standing in his place of authority by the pillar at the temple entrance. The officers and trumpeters were surrounding him, and people from all over the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. Singers with musical instruments were leading the people in a great celebration. When Athaliah saw all this, she tore her clothes in despair and shouted, Treason! Treason! Then Jehoiada the priest ordered the commanders who were in charge of the troops, Take her out of the temple and kill anyone who tries to rescue her. Do not kill her here in the temple of the Lord. So they seized her and led her out to the gate where horses entered the palace grounds, and they killed her there. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself and the king and the people that they would be the Lord's people. And all the people went over to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They demolished the altars and smashed the idols. And they killed Matan, the priest of Baal, in front of the altars. Jehoiada now put the Levitical priests in charge of the temple of the Lord, following all the instructions given by David. He also commanded them to present burnt offerings to the Lord, as prescribed by the law of Moses, and to sing and rejoice as David had instructed. He stationed gatekeepers at the gates of the Lord's temple to keep those who were ceremonially unclean from entering. Then the commanders, nobles, rulers, and all the people escorted the king from the temple of the Lord. They went through the upper gate and into the palace, and they seated the king on the royal throne. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was peaceful because Athaliah had been killed. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Second Chronicles 24 Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem forty years. His mother was Zebiah from Beersheba. Joash did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight throughout the lifetime of Jehoiada the priest. Jehoiada chose two wives for Joash, and he had sons and daughters. Some time later, Joash decided to repair and restore the temple of the Lord. He summoned the priests and Levites and gave them these instructions. Go at once to all the towns of Judah and collect the required annual offerings, so that we can repair the temple of your God. Do not delay. But the Levites did not act right away. So the king called for Jehoiada the high priest and asked him, Why haven't you demanded that the Levites go out and collect the temple taxes from the towns of Judah and from Jerusalem? Moses, the servant of the Lord, levied this tax on the community of Israel in order to maintain the tabernacle of the covenant. Over the years, the followers of wicked Athaliah had broken into the temple of God, and they had used all the dedicated things from the temple of the Lord to worship the images of Baal. So now Joash gave instructions for a chest to be made and set outside the gate leading to the temple of the Lord. Then a proclamation was sent throughout Judah and Jerusalem, telling the people to bring to the Lord the tax that Moses, the servant of God, had required of the Israelites in the wilderness. This pleased all the leaders and the people, and they gladly brought their money and filled the chest with it. Whenever the chest became full, the Levites carried it to the king's officials. Then the court secretary and an officer of the high priest counted the money and took the chest back to the temple again. 
This went on day after day, and a large amount of money was collected. The king and Jehoiada gave the money to the construction supervisors, who hired masons and carpenters to restore the temple of the Lord. They also hired metal workers, who made articles of iron and bronze for the Lord's temple. So the men in charge of the renovation worked hard, and they made steady progress. They restored the temple of God according to its original design and strengthened it. When all the repairs were finished, they brought the remaining money to the king and Jehoiada. It was used to make utensils for the temple of the Lord, utensils for worship services and for burnt offerings, including ladles and other vessels made of gold and silver. And the burnt offerings were sacrificed continually in the temple of the Lord during the lifetime of Jehoiada the priest. Jehoiada lived to a very old age, finally dying at 130. He was buried among the kings in the city of David because he had done so much good in Israel for God and his temple. But after Jehoiada's death, the leaders of Judah came and bowed before King Joash and persuaded the king to listen to their advice. They decided to abandon the temple of the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and they worshipped Asherah poles and idols instead. Then the anger of God burned against Judah and Jerusalem because of their sin. The Lord sent prophets to bring them back to him, but the people would not listen. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, son of Jehoiada the priest. He stood before the people and said, This is what God says. Why do you disobey the Lord's commands so that you cannot prosper? You have abandoned the Lord, and now he has abandoned you. Then the leaders plotted to kill Zechariah, and by order of King Joash himself, they stoned him to death in the courtyard of the Lord's temple. That was how King Joash repaid Jehoiada for his love and loyalty, by killing his son. Zechariah's last words as he died were, May the Lord see what they are doing and hold them accountable. At the beginning of the year, the Aramean army marched against Joash. They invaded Judah and Jerusalem and killed all the leaders of the nation. Then they sent all the plunder back to their king in Damascus. Although the Arameans attacked with only a small army, the Lord helped them conquer the much larger army of Judah. The people of Judah had abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, so judgment was executed against Joash. The Arameans withdrew, leaving Joash severely wounded, but his own officials decided to kill him for murdering the son of Jehoiada the priest. They assassinated him as he lay in bed. Then he was buried in the city of David, but not in the royal cemetery. The assassins were Jehozabad, the son of an Ammonite woman named Shimeoth, and Jehozabad, the son of a Moabite woman named Shomer. The complete story about the sons of Joash, the prophecies about him, and the record of his restoration of the temple of God are written in the commentary on the book of the kings. When Joash died, his son Amaziah became the next king. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Second Chronicles 25 Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Jehoadine from Jerusalem. Amaziah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, but not wholeheartedly. When Amaziah was well established as king, he executed the men who had assassinated his father. However, he did not kill the children of the assassins, for he obeyed the command of the Lord written in the book of the law of Moses. Parents must not be put to death for the sins of their children, nor the children for the sins of their parents. Those worthy of death must be executed for their own crimes. Another thing Amaziah did was to organize the army, assigning leaders to each clan from Judah and Benjamin. Then he took a census and found that he had an army of 300,000 men, 20 years old and older, all trained in the use of spear and shield. He also paid about 7,500 pounds of silver to hire 100,000 experienced fighting men from Israel. 
But a man of God came to the king and said, O king, do not hire troops from Israel, for the Lord is not with Israel. He will not help those people of Ephraim. If you let them go with your troops into battle, you will be defeated no matter how well you fight. God will overthrow you, for he has the power to help or to frustrate. Amaziah asked the man of God, But what should I do about the silver I paid to hire the army of Israel? The man of God replied, The Lord is able to give you much more than this. So Amaziah discharged the hired troops and sent them back to Ephraim. This made them angry with Judah, and they returned home in a great rage. Then Amaziah summoned his courage and led his army to the Valley of Salt, where they killed 10,000 Edomite troops from Seir. They captured another 10,000 and took them to the top of a cliff and threw them off, dashing them to pieces on the rocks below. Meanwhile, the hired troops that Amaziah had sent home raided several of the towns of Judah between Samaria and Beth Horon, killing 3,000 people and carrying off great quantities of plunder. When King Amaziah returned from defeating the Edomites, he brought with him idols taken from the people of Seir. He set them up as his own gods, bowed down in front of them, and presented sacrifices to them. This made the Lord very angry, and he sent a prophet to ask, Why have you worshipped gods who could not even save their own people from you? But the king interrupted him and said, Since when have I asked your advice? Be quiet now before I have you killed. So the prophet left with this warning. I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not accepted my counsel. After consulting with his advisors, King Amaziah of Judah sent this challenge to Israel's king Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz and grandson of Jehu. Come and meet me in battle. But King Jehoash of Israel replied to King Amaziah of Judah with this story. Out in the Lebanon mountains, a thistle sent a message to a mighty cedar tree. Give your daughter in marriage to my son. But just then, a wild animal came by and stepped on the thistle, crushing it. You may be very proud of your conquest of Edom, but my advice is to stay home. Why store up trouble that will bring disaster on you and the people of Judah? But Amaziah would not listen, for God was arranging to destroy him for worshipping the gods of Edom. So King Jehoash of Israel mobilized his army against King Amaziah of Judah. The two armies drew up their battle lines at Beth Shemesh in Judah. Judah was routed by the army of Israel, and its army scattered and fled for home. King Jehoash of Israel captured King Amaziah of Judah at Beth Shemesh and brought him back to Jerusalem. Then Jehoash ordered his army to demolish 600 feet of Jerusalem's wall, from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate. He carried off all the gold and silver and all the utensils from the temple of God that had been in the care of Obededom. He also seized the treasures of the royal palace, along with hostages, and then returned to Samaria. King Amaziah of Judah lived on for 15 years after the death of King Jehoash of Israel. The rest of the events of Amaziah's reign, from beginning to end, are recorded in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. After Amaziah turned away from the Lord, there was a conspiracy against his life in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But his enemies sent assassins after him, and they killed him there. They brought him back to Jerusalem on a horse, and he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Second Chronicles 26 The people of Judah then crowned Amaziah's 16-year-old son Uzziah as their next king. After his father's death, Uzziah rebuilt the town of Eloth and restored it to Judah. Uzziah was 16 when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother was Jecoliah from Jerusalem. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his father Amaziah had done. 
Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as the king sought the Lord, God gave him success. He declared war on the Philistines and broke down the walls of Gath, Jabne, and Ashdod. Then he built new towns in the Ashdod area and in other parts of Philistia. God helped him not only with his wars against the Philistines, but also in his battles with the Arabs of Gur and in his wars with the Maunites. The Maunites paid annual tribute to him, and his fame spread even to Egypt, for he had become very powerful. Uzziah built fortified towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the angle in the wall. He also constructed forts in the wilderness and dug many water cisterns, because he kept great herds of livestock in the foothills of Judah and on the plains. He was also a man who loved the soil. He had many workers who cared for his farms and vineyards, both on the hillsides and in the fertile valleys. Uzziah had an army of well-trained warriors ready to march into battle, unit by unit. This great army of fighting men had been mustered and organized by Jeiel, the secretary of the army, and his assistant, Maaseiah. They were under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's officials. 2,600 clan leaders commanded these regiments of seasoned warriors. The army consisted of 307,500 men, all elite troops. They were prepared to assist the king against any enemy. Uzziah provided the entire army with shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and sling stones. And he produced machines mounted on the walls of Jerusalem, designed by brilliant men to shoot arrows and hurl stones from the towers and the corners of the wall. His fame spread far and wide, for the Lord helped him wonderfully until he became very powerful. But when he had become powerful, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. He sinned against the Lord his God by entering the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and personally burning incense on the altar. Azariah the high priest went in after him with eighty other priests of the Lord, all brave men. They confronted King Uzziah and said, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is the work of the priests alone, the sons of Aaron who are set apart for this work. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have sinned. The Lord God will not honor you for this. Uzziah was furious and refused to set down the incense burner he was holding. But as he was standing there with the priest before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy suddenly broke out on his forehead. When Azariah and the other priests saw the leprosy, they rushed him out. And the king himself was eager to get out because the Lord had struck him. So King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in isolation, excluded from the temple of the Lord. His son Jotham was put in charge of the royal palace, and he governed the people of the land. The rest of the events of Uzziah's reign from beginning to end are recorded by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz. So Uzziah died, and since he had leprosy, he was buried nearby in a burial field belonging to the king. Then his son Jotham became the next king. End of reading, Second Chronicles 23.1 through 26.23. You know, a lot of times people talk to us as believers and say, oh, you're too simple. You see everything in black and white. Don't you know there's got to be a lot of complexity, nuances. That's the kind of the big word anymore. Sometimes life is very complex and it is very messy and there are difficulties. And yet almost all the time there comes a point when you know what the right thing to do is. 
Tonight's reading seems to have a lot of that because you have everyone from Joash to Amaziah after him. And then even as we come down to this great king Uzziah who reigns for 50 years over Judah, it seems like they're constantly compromising. They need to get to that point where they know here's the right thing to do and I'm going to do it. Now, Joash seemed to know that when he was younger. Even Jehoiada, the priest, wasn't as intent as Joash was in repairing and restoring the temple and restoring the worship. One of the things I mentioned tonight as well about this reading is you notice that although Ezra is trying to recapture and recap a positive history of Israel, emphasizing the faithfulness and goodness of God to keep his promise through the lineage of King David, establishing the throne and protecting it as he protected it under this young man Joash, all of his brothers were killed by Athaliah. But it shows all the warts of the people of Israel as well. And there's a lesson there for us. As I mentioned earlier, it looks like... Everyone is back and forth, up and down. There's no consistency in the kings and their following God, and also in the people. When they were most prosperous, when God had blessed them the most, it seems like prosperity turned around and was their worst enemy. And it caused them to be prideful and arrogant and to abandon the true and living God. It's just so interesting. It's so much like human life. Joash, while Jehoiada the priest is alive, he follows the Lord. And then when Jehoiada is gone... He follows under the influence of all of these other leaders that lead him into idolatry. Then he kills Zechariah, Jehoiada's son, who was brave enough and courageous enough to confront him with his sin. What a remarkable story. See you next time. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget... Join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.